are listening to Joygasm, video game and movie podcast. I am Rod Six Plus Toaster 360. He is Steve. Xbox Live Steve H. And we are no longer popsicles in Texas. In episode 213 today, February 18th, 2021. We're going to be actually uh, celebrating, rejoicing even in the fact that we have survived this week before going right into our topic of the day, which is the Coco Movie Review, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in your podcast provider detailed section below. Steve, I was not exactly sure if I would be seeing you ever again. Ever again, Russ? Are you about to die from hypothermia? Ah, let me tell you, Steve. When you have no power for, well, I should say very little power, for a two-day period, you begin to wonder if you could ever warm up again, especially when it's about three degrees outside. Mm. With wind chill. With the well, not well, with wind chill makes it colder. I was going to say it does make it colder. Not as though I have any kind of uh, huge desire to be outside when it's three degrees outside. It can be fun, Russ. Or really tobogganing. You like having frozen snot icicles develop on the tip of your nose there, Steve? You bring tissues. You bring tissues. You bring tissues. You blow your nose accordingly. You do what's got to be done, and you have fun doing it. Something tells me you did nothing of that this past week. Yeah, I went for a few. No, tobogganing? No, I don't have one, (laughs) Russ. No, but there were people who were. I will tell you. Mm Mm-hmm. There were people with their uh, their quads, their ATVs. Oh yeah, I, I did hauling people around. I saw a couple myself Steve. on sleds. There was one guy who um, hitched his like small fishing boat, or I don't even know what it was, like a skiff or something. But he hooked it up to his the 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 hitch of his jeep and proceeded to have someone drive him around town like that. Waving at people. Kind of like Back to the Future almost with Martin McFly uh, hitching a ride on the back of a pickup truck, only he was on a skateboard. Mm. Waving at the ladies working out at the gym there, Steve? Possibly. Although in that scene, the truck driver did not know he was hanging on. Very true. There, there is right. a, There is a little bit of a difference there, Steve. Martin McFly was stealing a ride. That's <sighs> true. But... Um, yeah, no. So it was, uh, it was cold, but we took a bunch of walks. We attempted to build a snowman. We're not successful. I mean, you only, we only got like four inches of snow. It wasn't all that much. Yeah. I think depending on where the snow gathered, it was between four and six inches. Cause mm. like around my house, there are parts where like I would walk into it. It's like, Oh, that's a little deeper than over here. But of course, I'm, the way my property is, it kind of has like areas that, that kind of, I don't know, slope in into like a valley. Right. I was gonna, I was thinking of the word valley, Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because uh, that's because we're connected, Steve. Right. But um, so yeah, no, we uh, made a few snow angels. Yeah, I did see the video that you sent over, which was really fun, of your yeah. wife doing it in the backyard or front yard. Uh, was, uh, we took a walk to the park, Russ. Walked to the park. That was a park snow angel. A whizzle to the pizzle. Something like that. Very nice. Very nice. And we, well, we did a couple more um, in front of the property. 
just kind of laid there, flinging our arms and legs in the snow. You know, I'm jealous, Steve. Why is that, Ross? Because that was my idea for us, Steve. I wanted us to do snow angels together because I don't think we have ever done snow angels together, Steve, and gotten a picture. I wanted to get a picture for Joygasm, the two of the hombres doing snow angels. Well, it just didn't work out. The road, you see what happens is you have to, you have to scrape the roads. You have to get all the, the snow before it turns to ice off the roads or else it's too slick to really drive. Because if there was no problem driving without crashing in anything, you know, you could have come over or I could have come over. As it stands with the ice and driving up a hill and turning down and to the left, I wasn't about to uh, see what happens. It is true. I live on the only real hill in the state of Texas. It's flat everywhere else. Like, way flat. Like, really (laughs) flat. Like, pancakes look at Texas and go, man. (laughs) Even flat. Even we have some ridges. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyhow. uh, So, they would know. So, we tried to make it an adventure because... I mean, what else are you going to do? You can't go anywhere. It's true. You don't have any power. The power mm. shut off. So it's like, where are we going to get our warmth from? Indeed. And so we just tripled up the layers. And um, luckily, they didn't turn off the gas. So we were still able to have a fire, still able to cook. Yeah. And then what do you do during the day? You can't play games. You don't have any power. It is a return to the 1800s, Steve. That's what it is. It is. You know, it's interesting. We... Had of course no power, just like you. Mm. And the it was supposed to be rolling blackouts. That was the original plan. It was like it was they were supposed to be able to, I think, have no power for like 30 to 45 minutes, and then the power comes back on. Yeah, that didn't happen. Not at all. Not even close. We ended up getting like one hour of power in between every like 15 hours. Yeah, I was like, I was wondering, like, shouldn't this have been scheduled? Because you, when you, you think of rolling, you think of a ball, right? Well, I think That's, of equal, like, you know, well, sharing exactly. of the load, right? So like, well, okay, yeah, for sure. So let's say you have a circle. You're on you're on one side of the diameter. Can it be a beach ball? I'm on the other side, Can right? Can it have multiple colors on it? So when it turns, you get power, and then I don't have power. And then you get power, and then I don't, and then you are, then I get power, and you don't get power. It's not but complicated it's on, at all. It's not really, I, I wouldn't think it's, I mean, maybe there's Homer Simpson in the power plant going, you didn't like dancing and singing a song. I, That's what I saw. I, you know, I do. I do not work in the energy sector. I have no idea how the control panel works. But in my head, I think of a very simple control panel uh, consisting of switches. Right. <laughs> so each switch represents a part of the grid, and you go click on, click off, and you just kind of do that. On a timer-based system, so that way we roughly, within, I don't know, a couple of minutes of each other, have the same amount of on-time and off-time. That just didn't happen at all. Instead, we became a frozen wasteland. Okay, Jesse Ventura. Looking for any kind of survival. 
You sound just like Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Wearing several jackets and gloves and scarves as we scrounge for food. Oh, by the way. I'm the only one asking these questions. Yeah. <laughs> My final days <laughs> on the planet Earth. And I'm wrapped up like an Eskimo. No, it was um, it was pretty intense, and uh, <laughs> I was gonna say something else, and doing that voice totally just kind of boop, like ruined whatever kind of forethought I had. But yeah, it was uh, man, it was one for the books for sure in terms of how cold it got because you you know for one thing we have gas fireplaces, we don't have wood burning fireplaces, we have gas fireplaces. Um, which tend to be, you know, in its own way, convenient, right? It's, it's nice to be able to like, Hey, you know, use a little lighter, you light it up. Um, the, the lumber or whatever kind of decorative elements you put in there never get charred and burned out. I mean, it's quick and easy and it looks great. Well, one of the issues that I have in my house, Mikasa, Steve, as you well know, is that my fireplace has not been fully uh, decorated yet. It is, it is merely a functioning empty rectangle. The fire does work, but there's nothing in there. And so it really doesn't emit or radiate very much heat at all, despite how large the flames get. And I remember talking to you about that because you actually have a fireplace that is fully furnished, so to speak. And so as a result, you and your wife were able to huddle around the fire. Even so, it still was like 48 degrees inside. I mean, it wasn't like we were like two peas in a warm pod. That's true. But you got to take it where you can get it, Steve. Yeah. Got to take it where you can get it. The only place that we really had that was on our kitchen stove. And so we ended up lighting all of the burners on the top of the stove just to get some semblance of heat because, I mean, it was getting into like the 30s in our house. Like, I mean, it was... Like when it's three degrees outside, your house temperature is going to continue to drop. And when that happens, you start getting a little desperate for some heat action. And that was working out okay uh, until all of a sudden we started feeling headaches. And then we realized, oh, we should probably open a door or a window perhaps because... I do believe this is the first sign of carbon monoxide poisoning. And apparently we were not alone in that because there have been, uh, unfortunately, a number of folks in the state of Texas that had to call 911 and be taken to the ER as a result of too much inhalation of said carbon monoxide poisoning. So, and then if that wasn't enough... Then comes the water issue where the water pipes started to freeze. Did you have any of your pipes freeze, Steve? We had, yes. Well, yes, we had one. No, I mean, basically two. We had the, in the regular kitchen sink, we had cold water working hard, hard water, like not hard water, hot water, not come out. Actually, I don't think we had any hot water until later on. So the cold water was working, hot water was not, and then for Why sure- Why am I so confused? <laughs> and then, because it all comes out of a wind pipe. <laughs> you see, there's a um, pipe, <laughs> and there's water that comes out of it. <laughs> the only thing is, it could be hot, hot or it could be cold. cold. 
And so, and then out of the fridge, you put a, a glass in there. Well, even when we had power, you know, the water was supposed to come out. Oh gosh. Now that never came out either. That was one of the big, big realizations that I had too, was that I, I had forgotten how much, I mean, anytime I get a glass of water, it's through my fridge. Well, when the power's out, the uh, water dispenser doesn't work. And so then we were thinking, oh, well, okay, well, how about some, uh, some tap water? It's okay. We live in a first world country tap water. Yeah. And literally, as soon as we started entertaining that idea, then we started hearing about how Fort Worth issued a boiling water alert because the, uh, the, 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 the water supply plant that does all the filtering for the tap water. Yeah, that froze too. And so there were sections of Texas where suddenly the tap water was unsafe to drink. You had to boil it before you drank it. And it wasn't limited to Fort Worth. I also heard that Tyler, Texas became under the same type of alert. (laughs) Well, we found out that Tyler. (laughs) It's really difficult to go from a Texas accent to an Australian accent. (laughs) Until you say Tyler. Exactly. Toilet. So anyway, it was an adventure for sure. Um, and I'm just glad that today, today was like the first time where we rose above freezing temperatures. We got to, about, to be about 34 degrees, 35 degrees, 38 degrees, Russ. It was 38, 38. Ooh, very nice. So uh, a significant percentage of the snow has melted and there is a limited amount of travel that has resumed on the streets. And tomorrow it's supposed to be even warmer. I believe it's supposed to be in the high 30s, maybe even into maybe the 40s. Even 40s, right? 40s, exactly. In which case, we will be able to put a closing of the chapter of this particular part of life, which I am looking forward to because let me tell you, there's a little. It is so weird. I gotta, I, I gotta ask you, do you have any kind of like minor PTSD from the two days of like no power. No. Like, did you ever like, like when the power came back on re- Well, actually I actually know the answer to this. Cause we talked about on the phone, we were talking about how we kept like when the power came on and actually decided to stay on, we were talking about how we were waiting for the knife to fall. We were just like at any time we're like, it's going to go off. It's going to go off. Okay. It's totally going to go off now. <laughs> And it was just the funniest thing because leading up to that point is like when the power came on, I don't know about, I mean, you got, you guys are a little more like laissez faire about it. My household, it was like the power came on. I was doing laundry. I was doing dishes. I ran a dishwasher. I was vacuuming the floor. I did everything I possibly, I was, I was filling up water glasses with the fridge, doing everything I could. And of course, nothing got finished because they only gave us an hour. I mean, (laughs) you know, logic would dictate you get at least a couple of hours, maybe even four hours. So like what would happen is like I would like feverishly like load the dishwasher and click start. And all of a sudden the power goes. They're no not done. Dishes. Yeah. Now what? Like you have like the. the Do we open it? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the soap is like halfway melted in there and like the water's still there. And you're just like. And then a little bit later, like the power comes back on and you realize, oh yeah, it's resuming. Is it okay to eat off those plates? I don't know. <laughs> Same thing can be said before the uh, washer where like you're washing clothes and it's like doing its thing. And all of a sudden like the power goes out and you're just like. 
they're not clean yet. <laughs> I can't wear wet clothes. <laughs> it's just um, Am I going to get itchy from <laughs> detergent that's not quite uh, dissolved? I don't know. Well, we had already purchased like three cases of, well, not three at the time, but we've just, we go through some bottles of water. And so we had collected some cases of bottled water that we had upstairs. So we're like, okay, we're good with drinking water. And then we had already washed our clothes. And so we didn't have to wash any more clothes. And then since we kept the faucets dripping, we had collected buckets, like buckets yeah. of water that we used just to like to either wash our hands or wash plates by, by, by hand. And so we didn't really have a lot of that emergency stuff. So when the power came back on, it was like, charge your phone. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and, and it was like, no, no, no. We only got like a minute left. How much power do you have? 89%. I have 75. Give me that charger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I totally forgot about the whole phone thing. Yeah, that was one of the things too. Like as soon as a parent come on, we're like, charge the phones quick. We need to have power. Even though like, and that was the other thing too, was that the cell phone towers also froze. So that meant that the performance of people texting and making calls to loved ones also went down the crapper. It was, uh, like I said, it, it was it was a very uh, memorable time. Very memorable indeed. My wife's tub cracked. There's like about a uh, three to five inch crack. We heard this loud pop. And I looked over at my daughter. I was like, did you hear that? And she said, yeah. I was like, where'd they come from? She's like, I don't know. She's holding a big sheet of poppy paper. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> She's... <laughs> Uh, but then we ended up realizing, oh, the tub has cracked due to the l very uh, low temps. So that was a bit of a, a bummer. The wife was pissed. <laughs> pissed. Now. Southern style. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing the ladies like to do in the South, it's to have a nice long bath with a glass of sweet tea. Am I right, ladies? Let me hear it. <laughs> Let me hear it in a call, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things I'll, I'll tell you, one of the positive memories I had from the yeah, whole situation, positive us. The so so the shower was part of the pipes that were frozen in my house, ah, so yeah. I was unable to bathe. And trust me, you want this oily man to be able to bathe on a daily basis. When he doesn't bathe in two days, that's a problem. That's Disgusting. So I was in my bathroom with uh, many buckets filled with water that we had collected before the boiling water fiasco materialized. And I was sitting there just staring at the dribble coming out of the shower head. When lo and behold, lo and behold, lo and behold, oh, that's the rap version there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Anyway, I had a Luke Skywalker moment, Steve. You used the force. I started to just bore, 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 bear. It's a Bore down your mind. my stare. I don't know. I started to stare very intensely at that shower head, willing the ice inside that tube to melt. And by George, I watched in real time live. As the water made its way through the shower head in full force. And I was so excited that I ran out and grabbed my wife and we looked at it and we cheered. It was amazing. You see, that's what I 
I prepared for as well. See, with all the water that we've been collecting, <laughs> Russ, what we did, well, me, is uh, because my wife showered when we had power and water running, hot water, is I would, <laughs> my wife had boiled some water and that we mixed with some of the freezing cold water <laughs> that had been coming out of the faucet. And so then I took a bucket into the big bucket and I was standing in the shower and I would take the bucket and <laughs> just dump it on me. And then take another bucket. I just, just dump it on my pit. Now, did you do this? Uh, dump it on my chest. When the power was on or off? Both. Hey, you know, I'm. You're, you're either going to pay for the water as it's going down the drain. Triple espresso coffee to wake you up? Or freezing freaking <laughs> cold bath water in an unheated house? Mm. <laughs> so I thought, I'm paying for this water either way. And so I thought, well, I'm going to bathe with it. And so I would, I, I brought my 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 shampoo and I had my 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 soap and then I was just dumping water all over myself with the with the buckets and lathering up and then bucketing more and then that was it, Russ. That's how it's done. You went for the culturally exotic way of bathing. I did. Good for you, Steve. Thank you. Good hope, for you. I'm proud of you. I hope I actually did save some money because I've heard some people have like $10,000 oh. power bills oh. and water bills. I what? Heard, I heard about that too. Yeah. My goodness. My wife was talking to me about how she was looking, I think in the news or something about how there are people who are, they're a part of some kind of like wholesale electric subscriber base or something like that. And so normally they get like their electric um, super cheap because it's all wholesale blue book. And, but the, th I guess the, 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 the bad side is, is that if um, the proverbial feces uh, were to hit the fan that apparently it's completely dynamic in terms of the price because the energy sector and then due to whatever kind of uh, <laughs> equation that involves uh, greed and uh, lack of resources. <laughs> and not liking certain people in the neighborhoods. <laughs> I hate that guy. Turn his power off for 15 hours. So, you know, that guy, he's the host of Joy Gas. Yeah. We'll screw him over. But this guy's pretty cool. We'll leave his power on constantly. <laughs> So um, there was one that she talked about where there's someone who owed, well, no, normally I think they were talking about how like on average, like the, oh, I, I think that the cost <sighs> was like 60 bucks or something mm -hmm. for the month. $17,000. $17,000 for the month of February, which as of this recording, <laughs> it's not over with yet. So, yeah, I, I about <laughs> fell over when I heard that because I'm just like, there's no there's no way that someone like an individual is going to be able to pay for that. You lost there's your no crap. way. It's just, it's just insane. And, and you know, the, a lot of these people are kind of like, well, I mean, that's just how it is. I'm like, do you understand how difficult it is for the average person to like, Muster up just, I don't know, 17 grand from between the couch cushions. <laughs> like this. I don't know. I, I, th I think that if, if they insist on, on having that get paid, I think that uh, a class action lawsuit yeah, could no be in the future. <laughs> All I did was run my heater. <laughs> well, the funny thing too is like, especially if you're one of those people like me, 
who only got like an hour's worth of power before it was off for 15 hours. I'm like, wait, so how does the math work out on that? If you're charging me, and basically, basically of the, uh, well, I should say most of the 17 grand is being charged from the, just this past week, just the past week. Mm-hmm. That's where the prices skyrocketed. Okay. How much is that on a per hour basis? What is that? What is that? Like three grand an hour? Supply and demand, Russ. A little indigestion coming on like that. <laughs> so, uh, any other comments about what has transpired this past week? I feel like as though it is appropriate to be able to document this because I don't think this is going to happen again for a while. I think the last time we had something uh, on this scale, anyway, was around 1918. Oh, that wasn't too long ago. Which, <laughs> ironically enough, I felt like I was back in 1918. <laughs> Actually, it's more like 1800s. Anybody have any dogs? I got a sled here. Anybody got any dogs? Hey, can I borrow your dogs? I gotta go to the grocery store. I have have to share this too. So because we had no power, we were trying to get information because we we had no idea like, hey, is there like some sort of approved plan in terms of like when the power comes on versus when it comes off? How long is this going to last? Like what kind of emergency services are still in working order in case, I don't know, someone has to go to the hospital or something. So we had this old school transistor radio with the antenna, you know, the old school, like, you know, we're like, hey, welcome back to the 80s. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, we had the dial on there and it was like, it's partly cloudy. Uh, hey, there's a Spanish channel on here too. And uh, man, is that coming in clear? Yeah, it was like, man, that sounds good. <laughs> um, there was this this one channel that we got that it was like more of like an informational talk radio type of thing. And the gist of what was said was, you know, Texas is really cold this week. And you probably want to get some more information. If you would like some more updates and information as to what's going on, you can find it on our website at www. Like, that that was what they said. I'm like, we have no power. (laughs) I'm running on double A's. There's no way to access (laughs) the Wi-Fi or the cable internet. My computer is dead. Which is why we're listening to your dumbass on the radio. Was it WW or was it WW? I don't, no, I don't, I don't remember like <laughs> what exactly it sounded like. But I was, I, my wife and I just looked at each other. We're like, "Are you for real? Are you kidding me?" Like they, they in the time they, <laughs> it's like. It's it's one of those like like I don't know public sector government run website kind of things you know it's just like they're they're super proud of like their website that was built in 1998 they're like well you know if you want some more info you can go to www you're like <laughs> everyone's on the radio dude like you need to like say like whatever kind of like important pertinent updates and info you have right now. <laughs> just fly over a bomber and drop leaflets so people can get more information. <laughs> get something out of this. We're out there with like a bonfire, like like doing like the, the Native American smoke signals. <laughs> over here. Over here. <laughs> no, it's not that way. It's this way. Longitudinal. Longitudinal. 
you know, like the pilots are like, you're not exactly sure if I see a white dude or not because the snow is really <laughs> masking it. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, there's, no, there's no one living there. No, no, that dude right there. Yeah. Yeah, he's wider than snow. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> that guy's wider than the snow is. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just an expression. How is that possible? <laughs> that man needs to get out more and get a tan. <laughs> Would you have any other uh, observations about the week, Steve? No, Ross, I think we beat that one to death. We did indeed. It was good to be able to talk about that with you. Get it off your person. chest. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, especially now that my chest is thawed. Yeah. Especially under these lights. Well, see, that is one of the nice things about these particular lights. These these uh, studio lights and the halogen bulbs. Man, I tell you what, it turns a house that was struggling to be above 50 degrees. What are we up to? Uh, 78 now? Nice. No, uh, 81. <laughs> we have broken into the 80s. And I'm in sweats <laughs> and a sweater. Redefines the term sweats. <laughs> it's a sauna up here in the studio, but that's the way we do it. Every day's a sauna day in the Perkins household. That's why I like it, Steve. What have you been watching? What have you been playing, Steve? Well, Russ, before the power went out and we were desperate to do something, we watched a couple of Christopher Nolan flicks. Went into Christopher Nolan. Yeah, we watched Man of Steel. Man. That is a good movie. Man O Steel, Russ. And it was just as good, if not better, as I remember. It's absolutely fan-freaking-tastic. That's a great movie. It's a wonderful one. we got to do a review of that one. We do. We do. Yes. I loved it, Russ. I did. I think I watched the preview like 14 times after the movie was even over. It was that good. I even sent it to mom. Did she? <laughs> she hasn't seen that movie, has she? Okay, like, I was like, Mom, I know you're not into this, but you got to watch it. <laughs> Trust me, I mean, it's not Crystal Reeve. I mean, we all know Crystal Reeve is hot. Henry Cavill's got it going on. Henry Henry Cavs. He's got some calves. Um, (laughs) Among other things. (laughs) Muscles coming out of everywhere. Muscles coming out of his pores. (laughs) (laughs) He, like, has sort of, like, microscopic telescope. You're like... Yeah. Yeah. Each one of the pores are like, <laughs> Russ, if I had a, a physique, I, I, um, I'd want Henry Cavill's physique. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, that dude's like a walking, like, bicep. Mike. <laughs> well, I was going to say, he's like a walking Michelangelo's sculpture. It's like, my goodness. It's like, it's, it's not. Oh, by the way, this yes. is, I'm, this is totally going off. <laughs> We're making a left turn now. <laughs> What's over here? I happen to be on YouTube. Because we got power back. <laughs> and I visited my old friend YouTube, and uh, I just happened to have one of the wonderful suggestions made to me. And that is the best of the WWF from 1988. And let me tell you, watching a montage that is uh, holds a special place in my heart as a... Uh, a young boy watching muscle bound grown men. Ooh, a cup of coffee. <laughs> watching Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. Randy Savage, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake, Roberts, 
the Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man. You know, the only folks who I didn't see in that video were the Bushwhack Brothers. And I like me some Bushwhack Brothers. I think you already are Bushwhacked. I probably am. But it was so fun. It was so nice. The interesting thing, though, the, the point of all this is um, the physique of the men back in the 80s, Steve. I mean, they were like beefcakes. Like, they were huge. First of all, yeah. they, all they all had, like, this amazing tan. It was like it's very- It's a fake and bake. No, I don't think it was back then. I think they were all, like- partying it up in the tanning bed salon area because it was like it was like if you if you do like the fake and bake thing or, or like the spray on tan it looks kind of orange like oompa loompa you know whole hogan man he had like he had the 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 nice brown tan the, the bronze it tan. Going but it wasn't just hulk hogan it was like all of them like you look and you're like my goodness that's not the point though steve that is not the point the point is, is that as I was watching these sweaty, huge, brutish men go through the motions, <clears throat> it was amazing how like their hands, their arms, like everything, like, like they're just, they're, they're just these goliaths of men from the eighties. And when I think about the wrestlers of today, they're strong, they're buff too in their own way, but it's a different kind of buff. Like, like, I feel like they're a little more like maybe chiseled or something more lean buff or I'm not exactly sure what it is back in the day though. It was like wrestler buff. It's like, like if you look at like ultimate warriors thigh, you're like, dude, that, is, that thing is huge. Like the size of a Volvo. Volvos are pretty big. They are pretty big and they're safe. <laughs> what are you getting at? Steve? You want, you want to be in between <laughs> ultimate warriors thighs? Well, let's just say <laughs> when uh, I'm watching man of steel with Henry Cavill, I feel safe. Like I'm a Volvo. I'm so confused right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. So that after we watched that, we th I, I was just looking through, I think it was HBO Max or something. I don't even know. And they now have Dunkirk Ooh, available. Another so good Christopher Nolan film. I said, hey, before we go to bed, I have to watch the dogfight scene. Got to watch it. It's oh, there. so you didn't finish it. Oh, we finished it. Oh, you did. Did you fast we forward through any of it, or did you watch it from oh. start to finish? Start to well, we watched the dogfight scene, and I was sitting there like an excited five year old boy, and she got me on tape like well, <laughs> oh, kinky, uh, kinky digital tape, uh, <laughs> i.e., cell phone, and um, she decided, hey, let's just watch the whole thing. Let's just watch the whole thing. So we, we, we started it over. All the way to the beginning. Watch it all the way to the end. Uh, proud of you, Steve. It's a good night. Yeah, any night where you got Christopher Nolan entertaining you, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. a, dare I say, great night. Right. Indeed. Anything else, Steve? Did you play anything? No, Russ. Did not play anything um, except for twitching with your booty. Mm-hmm. That was about it. Oh, my wife did beat uh, the Crash Bandicoot Nitro Racing, though. Nice. Yeah. Very Actually, nice. I was thinking, I was talking to you on the phone, and she was being respectful, but she was jumping up and down me like, hey, I beat it, I beat it. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, Russ. Go, babe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds interesting. Cool. Yeah. You're awesome. Oh, high five. <laughs> well, I ah. approve. 
That is fantastic. Freaking Steve. hot in here, man! It's hot in here. Right? I'm <laughs> used to like 20 degrees outside. I go in here, four times the degree. But you don't realize this is that's my master plan, uh, Steve. To have you dressed down to the point where we get to see your banana hammock. Oh, uh, about to see it in a second. I know you're wearing the pink one tonight, aren't you? Polka dots. <laughs> I happen to have fond memories of the poker dots. Have you been playing anything? A little bit. You know, it's been difficult because this week was what it was, which was chaos. But um, I did manage to play a little bit more Cyberpunk 2077. You don't say Xbox Cyberpunk? Series X. I yes. wouldn't even guess, Russ. Yes. I made my way into the Arasaka Estate, which you probably have not been to yet because you probably have not been playing it since. <laughs> you had isn't a pretty a, bad experience? Isn't that the place where you, uh, where you, uh, where you uh, steal something like in the beginning of the game, Rose? No, oh, that would be the hotel, negative. Steve. Was it a hotel? It was the part you're talking about. Yes. <sighs> There is a affluent part of Night City where the richest of the rich live. And it's there you're going to find mansions without the burps. But anyway, <laughs> there you'll find mansions. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though, to be able to go through yet another area that I had not explored or checked out yet. And so that was a lot of fun. Um... Watched Coco, which that is our topic of the day for sure. this particular episode. Coco. We were streaming Overwatch on Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, which is what we always do together. Although it was a bit of a bummer because your microphone was kaput. Well, my Xbox read my microphone was working. Like, it came up on a little bit left. Yeah, Steve's talking. Now he's not. Now Steve's talking. I'm like, yeah, Ross. <laughs> and I had texted you before you started streaming. I'm like, hey. Get in the party chat with me before you start streaming. You're like, okay, St Steve's been invited to stream. Your audio's not included. I'm like, except. Uh, <laughs> well, well, did you did you try unplugging and plugging back in like a yeah. multiple times, Russ? Yeah, it's because your controller's jacked up. Your wife broke your controller, Steve. That's the problem. But the thing is, why would my Xbox read that my that my mic is working? If my mic wasn't working. It's called malfunction, Steve. It's where your local system thinks everything is honky-dory because something's plugged into it, but then across the interwebs, it's going, Mayday! Ain't nothing happening over here. But anyway, hopefully at some point in the near future, Steve will be the proud owner of a brand new Xbox controller. We can only hope. However, playing through Overwatch... One of the things that we were very excited about is the fact that it looks as though Capture the Flag has become much more of a permanent or permanent C, dare I say, <clears throat> of the uh, kind of the, the Overwatch lineup. Because for up until this point, we were always hoping that Capture the Flag was going to be there, but they kept taking it down and replacing it with something else. And then... Well what happens is they, they're watching game activity on right. their end. They're like, we're all, every time on Wednesday night, there's an uptick in <laughs> the flag. But there, there's an there. uptick by two. <laughs> on Wednesday only. Johnson. Night. I want you to do something about that because we have an uptick of two on Wednesday night. My eye, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Make it snappy. 
But anyway, they not only it looks as though it's it's becoming more of a, a permanent feature within Overwatch that you play on a daily basis. Now they have like three sections that have different versions of Capture the Flag. So I was pretty stoked. Were you happy about that? I was very happy about that, Rose. Man, it's just blazing hot in here. Gosh. <laughs> Jeez. You having trouble thinking? 30 degrees. Yeah. Well, 82 right we now. We got to play catch up because it was so cold earlier in the week. <laughs> air. Give me air. It's okay. When we uh, come back, Steve will, in fact, uh, probably be out of his clothes and showing off that polka dotted uh, under ruse, as it were. Our topic of the day is the Coco Movie Review. So when it comes to, to everything that, that has happened and transpired with this film, this is a film, this is one of those situations where the film got away from me. And uh, I do, you know, I, I apologize. It has taken us this long to actually uh, review it. And I know you had seen it earlier, but I, uh, <clears throat> I had not. And it's bizarre because normally I watch every single kind of Pixar movie that comes out. Yeah. This one, however, got away from me. But I'm so happy and excited that we have the opportunity to review it now, especially considering the fact that the theaters are <laughs> they're not really showing anything. So this uh, provides a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to talk about 
Coco. Coco. Steve, uh, could you please provide us with your high-level spoiler-free thoughts on what you thought of Coco? Well, the story's rich, Russ. It's it's a great story. Um, there's a lot to like about uh, dear old Coco. And the music is absolutely fantastic. It's like Pixar can take story pretty much about anything and make it pretty darn good, right? Um, but, you know, it's not like your kind of, I guess, normal Pixar movie. It is like thematically, but not like, you know, Toy Story or Bugs Life or, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, you're not having like animals that, that talk and stuff, you know, Fighting Nemo kind of deal, toys. Animals, whatever. Mm-hmm. These are actual like people, people, kind of like in Soul. Maybe that, maybe that's the Disney influence. I don't know. But anyway, so Coco is not like you're gonna be hilarious throughout the whole movie, like your other Pixar movies. More Disney influence, but the story is very good. Um, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it's been about a year since I've seen it, and I I enjoyed. The second went time through uh, pretty much just as much as the uh, the first time. I was looking for stuff that I had missed the first go-round. I'm like, yeah, I know what happens. Oh, it didn't happen. What in the world? Uh, I know what happens. You're, oh, that didn't happen either. Okay, well, maybe I'm uh, wrong. I'll wait and with bated breath and see what happens. So, no, it was it was enjoyable. It's, it's, it's an emotional movie. Um, but it's more like story, emotional driven than like, you know, humor. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be your funny movie, but I mean, it's a it's a good Pixar Disney family movie. Not something you're used to, you know. Indeed, not the kind of story. Very cultural. What did you think? Well, there were a lot of points that you made that I um, definitely think about and agree on. Um, first of all, I think that this this particular story is an endearing one, and. Uh, it's to be expected because it's Pixar, right? I mean, like, if you think about every film that they make, it, it, all their films have so much heart. And I think that when it comes to a film like this, um, it is it has its own unique slice of how they communicate and convey um, the the heart through the storytelling um, when, it, when it comes to this. I think that it is, the film itself is a great example of... Um, cultural exploration. And I think that we're, we're living in a very exciting time as it applies to CG movies. Cause like to your point earlier that you made, you know, you had Coco that came out um, and then we have soul that has, has come out as well. And I think we have another one that's coming out from Disney that is supposed to be coming out this year. I think it's, um, Oh, what's it called? Something like Raya and the dragon or something like that. Zaya. Anyway, I, th- I believe it's coming out next month. Oh. Um, and that, and that's yet another culture that that's somewhere in the, the Asian territories. And, um, and so it, I think it's really fun for a number of reasons. One of which is I get to learn about another, another culture. And I think when it comes to the, the execution of a film like this, it's, um, I think that that it's not as easy as it looks because you don't want to overwhelm people who are not familiar with the culture, but you want to inspire them to want to know more. You want to like forge this curiosity and, and ultimately this fascination and respect for the culture. And I think that they did a fantastic job in that regard with this um, 
this particular film. The soundtrack is terrific. I mean, and again, it's Pixar. Pixar is renowned for their fantastic soundtracks. Doesn't matter which movie it is. You got a friend in me. <laughs> I do think that there is a fun plot twist, which I'll expand upon later on, um, just because I don't want to spoil anything at this point in time. I think what's also interesting is how the the whole holiday of Day of the Dead, um, it acts as a vehicle for relatives. And I'll get into that later on too, but I, I do like how they were able to bring something that is actually pretty well known with Central American culture um, and put it in, weave it in such a way that I think is, is really original. And finally, I just, I can't believe it took me this long to see it because it, it really is like a great film. I mean, I, I can say right up front, if you, uh, if you haven't seen the movie or if, if you've seen it a while ago and you haven't seen it in a, a bit, I would, I would, uh, certainly say, you know, I think that, that we should in fact, uh, recommend that you go, you do in fact go check it out, Steve. Um, I'm trying to think. Think about what, Russ? Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to think about whether or not I have the element. Oh, yes, I do. This should be mariachi music. <laughs> I thought about that actually. It's quite all right, though, Steve. It's quite all right. Thumb in my guitar Feeling the music Pixar would not win any <laughs> Oscars for best soundtrack if you were in charge. Family doesn't like music <laughs> But I like music uh, When is this elevator gonna stop? Ziggler baby in the back. <laughs> hey, how you doing? You're all weak. Oh. <laughs> we have reached the spoiler floor. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to hear about spoilers, then we suggest that you pause us and and watch it and then return and listen. Or if you just don't care, then uh, well, let's, let's uh, carry on then, shall we? So, Steve, could you please provide us with a general summary of the plot? Okay, so you got this uh, little boy, adorable little boy. Miguel. Miguel, about 12 years old, right? And uh, just like pretty much any other Pixar films, uh, he wants, he's different. He he doesn't want to follow the social norms and the, and the family norms and be like one of the bots and the lemmings. And he wants to be different. He wants to break away, do something else. And so he likes the music, the music. La musica. And his family says, well, based on our history, music is a curse. So anything like you strumming your fingers or humming a tune or blowing air into a bottle, you're out. No music, no nothing. A little bit hard to, you know, kind of, no, I mean, really nothing, but not even a little bit, not even a whistle. No, no music whatsoever. His idol, though, is this famous musician who's known throughout his village and the, probably the entire country. And he ends up uh, wanting to compete in this Day of the Dead competition, music competition. Ernesto de la Cruz. De la Cruz. 
And he ends up trying to steal Ernesto's guitar from his like memorial grave, which ends up kind of like magically making him semi dead, or at least be able to see the dead. And he has to um, get a blessing from his relatives to come back to the land of the living to fulfill the blessing and uh, you know, whatever that, that blessing may be, to, to, to be with his family, to play music, to just be a great person, whatever that might be. And uh, throughout this journey, he's meeting all these different relatives, finding out family secrets, learning about them. They are learning about him and we uh, kind of fall in love with everyone along the way. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. So one of the things that stood out to me in this movie, and I, I just it, it, honestly, it resonates with me quite a bit, is how well they spun significance into the film. And th- I mean, s- significance when it applied to any film, really. I mean, like, like th- there are just about well, every film has a certain amount of sig- significance to it. Nothing ideally is left to chance or, or just put in there randomly, right? Like, like it's all a part of good storytelling. And, but when it came to Coco, there was a very sweet approach to the significance that I wanted to talk to you about, Steve. Okay. Um, and the, the main theme, the reoccurring theme is remember me. Like if you think of like the, the main song that gets, sang quite a few times in, in the, the film, it, it, the title of the song is Remember Me. But it's interesting how it's weaved into to all this stuff. So for instance, like the Day of the Dead uh, is actually like like a happy festivity. It's it's a celebration yeah, festival of, yeah. of loved ones and being able to like, like spend a day thinking about your family tree, thinking about your, your ancestors, thinking about the loved ones that you lost and stuff. But it's not in a mourning sense, which is interesting because in, in our culture, in our society, we tend to associate like skeletons with death. And, and there's, there's a very um, kind of somber or negative uh, connotation associated with that. But in the Central American culture, when it comes to the Day of the Dead, it's a very joyful thing. And I think what was interesting about it is that the the purpose behind it is that it acts as a proactive vehicle to get everyone involved to make time to think about those who came before you. And Using that as a catalyst for the movie, it was interesting because then they started to explore these different things. Like, for instance, like you had this mysterious great uh, great grandfather whose uh, you know head, his face had been ripped out from the photo that they have on this table of all their their ancestors and stuff. So you don't know who that is, and to see how they begin to, to explore the idea of what if you could, as someone who's a part who's a part of the land of the living visit the land of the dead and see like what's going on. Like how does this work? How does this interaction work? And so why you talk to each other, (laughs) we talk to each other, of course, (laughs) but what's interesting is that, so, so as the, the custom goes, it's like, you know, it's, it's important to remember your ancestors, remember your family. And when it came to the film, like, like if you, if you have your current family members who were alive when you were around. 
because that was kind of like one of the, the caveats, right? If they no longer think about you or honor you during this this, this uh, festivity, then you kind of have what they what they called the movie a second death, which or is the b- final death, or yeah. the yeah the final death where you, where you just you kind of uh, disappear into nothing. You're gone. And there, there was a scene in there in particular where Hector, uh, we, we find out, we discover for the first time, he actually has musical talent. He bring, he pulls up the guitar. He plays his buddy one last song because he knows that he's about to have his second death or final death, whatever it is. Um, and that's, that's kind of like where we get the first taste of that, that kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's this fusion of sadness and, and just a sweetness, like, like, like a really sweet, um, tragedy almost in a way um, where like, you know, you see this character barely on screen for like two minutes and you feel, you really feel sympathy and, and uh, loss when, when he disappears. You're like, my goodness, how sad, but he was such a, a loving, like, I mean, not loving, but just a, a memorable uh, character, right? Like, like the audience instantly got behind him and liked him. So when it comes, you know, going back to, to what I was talking about in terms of, of the significance, um, it was interesting too how they twisted it in such a way where like, you know, you had De La Cruz who he really didn't have any kind of family. Like, I, to my, like when I watched him, my understanding was he really didn't have a wife or family or anything like that. And he was kind of more of like this, this, uh, playboy of sorts who was he was he was narcissistic he was after like fame and fortune that that was his passion in life as opposed to having and raising a family and it was interesting how he wanted to be remembered but his version of it was in like even in death it was these huge monuments to his success and his celebrityism and everything else and how all of that was based around this persona that he had created that even the folks who knew of him when they were alive, even in death, they still treated him like a celebrity. They still remembered who he was and he was able to retain his status and power as a result of it. Very different in terms of remember me from the La Familia perspective of things. Well, also too, he wasn't able to come back over to see any relatives. He just stayed in that uh, purgatory of, of sorts, I guess. And um, everyone, and the reason he could stay there was everybody remembered him. I mean, there that whole plaza where the mariachi were and they were going to have that competition was named after him. Right. So tons of people remembered him, but no one put up pictures of him because they he wasn't anybody's ancestor at at that point. And so he couldn't cross. He didn't even try and cross over, but he couldn't if he wanted to. Right, exactly. And and, and you allude to another um, aspect to the more like twisted and poisoning um, perspective of Remember Me and the significance of it is not only was it in the land of the dead, but it was also in the land of the living because it was based and predicated all in this lie that he had fabricated. And it was really dark if you stop to think about it because he murdered his buddy in well, order well, to the person to, who was writing all of his songs. Yeah, it was like well, I mean they were they were travel buddies. They they were making their their careers together as as entertainers and and musicians and when his his friend wanted to to stop and quit and and go back cuz he was missing his family, um he took him out and stole his music book because he was responsible for all the writings and stuff. And so, you know, having that type of of situation in the land of the living that that is also like i said like like another part 
of like this really twisted thing where like everybody remembered De La Cruz, but no one remembered Hector. Right. And, and so, you know, so there's, there's kind of two parts to that, which is, I mean, again, it's, it's just great storytelling going back to the family side of things. What's really fascinating is that the last relative who knew Hector was his daughter, Coco. And how that was such a sweet thing too, because he was constantly trying to go back and visit with her any way he could. And due to some sort of miscommunication or misunderstanding as to what went down, his whole family um, really impeded him from doing so. And, you know, otherwise if they had known the truth, he would have had a completely different outcome in terms of like, even though, um, he was murdered by, by his colleague and everything. And, and, you know, he stole all of his, uh, natural talent and, and skill and stuff and made and pretend like it, like he's the one who came up with it still. Like he was unable to go visit his daughter. If you recall, his daughter Coco w- was like barely out of being a toddler. I mean, she looked like she was like three or four years old and here she is mama Coco where she's a great grandmother. I mean, she's, She's really, old. She's reaching the end of her days and he's never had a chance to visit her. And she's the last link that he has before he's going to have his final death. And, and so he's forgotten. Yeah. So that, again, there, there are all these multiple layers of this, this theme of remember me um, that again, really neat to, to, to reflect on and think about because there's just, there's just, there's a lot you can tell that they, they wanted to explore every facet they could and it's a kid's movie. Like, that's the crazy thing, too, is like, I mean, it's pretty deep considering it's a family film. And the other thing is kids understand it. Like, my six-year-old was watching it. She really got a lot of those things that I, I, I figured I would have to explain to her. Well, in Pixar magic, they make a movie that's entertaining both little kids and adults. Ross. Indeed, Steve. Indeed. One of the other things that I think is, is very fascinating about the significance of the theme, Remember Me, is when I think of Mama Coco, she is one of the characters in the movie. First of all, you don't know who Coco is. Like, you see the, the, the title of the movie, it's like, Coco, and you're like, oh, okay. But it's really not until about three quarters of the way through that, like, you really start to understand the significance of why they named it Coco. And the gravity of the situation. And I got, I I felt guilty because, and this is something that like, I think that people on average, they, they do this unintentionally, right? Like you have your, your daily hubbub of life. You have your, your daily responsibilities. You have your job, you have to upkeep your house. You have to take care of your family, all this different stuff. When it comes to senior citizens, they're often forgotten about, even if it's on a temporary basis or maybe like another way that's more accurate would be like, they're just placed on a lower priority, not because people want to be mean, but because there's all this other stuff that goes on that, that honestly distracts us. And so it's crazy when I watch this particular film, because when we are first introduced to Mama Coco, I just figured, okay, you know, she's just one of those like characters they throw in just to like kind of round out the family, you know, let's get on with the story, whatever, you know, I had that kind of, um, 
reaction where I, mean, I thought, yeah, oh, nice, sweet little old lady. Okay, next, you know, that sort of thing. And for her to be like the most important person at the end of the film that is like, like so much is hedging on trying to like jog her memory and, and cause her to remember her father. It was huge. I mean, I was, I was on the edge of my seat at that point. And again, very poignant moment where, um, and I realize I'm jumping all over the place here. So I apologize for that, but I, I really do think that, that like they did such an outstanding job with this is, Miguel is is absolutely um, obsessed over trying to get back in time because he realizes that Hector is his, his great, great grandfather and that Hector has been wronged in so many ways, not only by his colleague and taking all the credit for his work, but also his family falsely accusing him and like not cutting him a break and everything. I mean, all this stuff is terrible. And so you see him desperately trying to get Coco to remember. And the way that he ends up succeeding is by replaying the song that Hector wrote for Coco when she was a little girl called Remember Me. And the journey of that song, Remember Me, throughout the whole movie, it was so neat to see how it, it got started and how it moved into like how De La Cruz used it for his own personal gain. And then how like there was like this, this moment of realization as to like how they were connected together as family and then using it to, to ultimately save Miguel. Phenomenal. (laughs) And cross planes between the dead versus the living. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was really excited to talk about that. And I, I, you know, I was, I was afraid that I would, I wouldn't be able to like remember all my talking points. So I just had to have diary of the mouth at that point (laughs) and get that out there. Well, I mean, remember me is kind of like, you know, out of, it, it can be out of sight, out of mind, out of mind, out of existence in a way. And not, not out of existence as in like, you know, poof, you're gone, you know, in a magic uh, cloud of pixie dust. But like, for example, c- consider maybe some friends that you grew up with in high school that you don't talk to anymore because they've moved to, to, to a different spot. You've moved to a different spot. Their life got busy with work and marriage and kids and your life got busy with work and marriage and kids. And so you guys don't communicate and then you don't remember them. I mean, you do, but I mean, you don't because your day is so full of other stuff that you that's preoccupying your thoughts and your, and your time. And so that person could get in a car accident, could, you know, uh, be paralyzed. They could win a million dollars. They could, you know, and then at some point, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, you might find out that, oh, that person passed like 15 years ago, but you wouldn't even know. You would, you could have lived the rest of your life and not even like realized, right? So I think remember me also uh, is not just with, you know, remember me after I die, but remember me and what was special and, and what was um, bonding us together. Like remember me for the rest of your life of what we shared. Right. Absolutely. Um, moving on from that, um, the, I want to talk about the graphics because the visuals in this movie are again, I mean, it's Pixar, right? Like Disney and Pixar have really mastered this, this, this certain branded look that is breathtaking in all their films. And it's, it's no slouch at all in this particular film where like you have various colors that leap off the screen at you. You have wonderful cinematography in terms of the framing of the, of the different shots, 
all kinds of texture work. You know, one of the things I loved, one of the scenes was actually toward the, the opening. And that is with, I can't remember what they're called, but like, they're basically like, like these, like these, these tissue paper or paper cutouts that hang on like closing line, clothing line. Excuse me. <laughs> closing lines. Closing line. Yeah. Why there are lines you hang up when you want to close the shop. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it is tradition and, and fun for, for the culture to be able to, to make these. And then you hang them right next to each other. And, and it's wonderful. It's like this kaleidoscope of color that's hanging in the air. And I love how they decided to make these little mini animations within each one that tell a story as the VO is going on. It reminded me a bit of uh, Moana because Moana um, has the the tattoos, right? Like like the um, uh, I was I can't remember what the little tattoo guy's name was, but basically like there was like this tattoo that lived on the peck, <laughs> and it was like this total two D animation, but it was awesome because it was like yeah, like that tells tattoos tell a story, and, and it's great to have it come to life. I love how they were to they were able to apply it in this uh, regard. Talking about Maui, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. Well, wait, but but who's the wasn't wasn't the there a name for the tattoo the character? I don't recall that much detail about that movie, Russ. <sighs> but yeah, you're right. It, it was Maui. Thank you. Thank you're welcome. Mostly. Just like he says in the song. Uh, speaking of songs, one of the other things I really loved about the movie was how um, the beginning when you see the Disney logo, like yep. Disney Castle, how they had uh, a Spanish influenced uh, sound to all the instruments and stuff that, that played the uh, Disney logo song, the theme song fanfare. Very nice. <laughs> kind of nice. makes, makes you think of soul and how they yeah. did it with the, uh, <laughs> the high school band. I love it. Though it's the little touches like that, that give it so much character and it only lasts like 10, 15 seconds. But like it seriously sets the tone and it's so cool. I don't know. I, I, I love it when creative uh, expression gets the green light in that regard because the uh, the bean counters, man, they, they could easily shut that down. You know, one of the themes, I guess, um, that I saw in the movie, I don't know if anybody else would see it, um, but I would say communication <laughs> is one of the themes because you have Miguel who has this passion for music mm -hmm. and he is a totally different individual than De La Cruz. So, and a different person than his, his great, great grandfather. And so he wants to express his talent and his passion to his family and his family wants nothing to do with it. Like just shutting them off altogether. And then you have the afterlife with all the ancestors who ban Hector altogether and don't even want to listen to what he says. And then, you know, generations and year, you know, years, decades go by and they don't even want to listen to him. They don't want to talk to him. If they just had like a simple conversation, both in like regular life and then also in the afterlife, all this stuff would have like been a, like not a big deal. You know, it, this whole thing, that I, I mean, we're glad it all happened because we got a great movie out of it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> it was almost like this story had to be forced because the, the conversation wasn't forced nor listened to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, another part of it, too, you know, because because you're right, there was a lot of sadness and tragedy in the film, but it was counterbalanced with like what I was saying earlier, that there is a very like sweet quality about it as well. And I loved how everything got tidied up in the end. It wasn't out of convenience. It was like, 
like you were you were really rooting for Hector because you just you you realize like man this guy has been dealt a really lousy hand in life and death like this is awful and for him to realize and discover that he is in fact a great great grandfather that he was able to be reunited um, and visit Coco and that he didn't have to have the final death and that Coco herself was able to, to remember her father. And, and I don't know there's, there's so much there that again, it's not an easy task. It's not something that's easy to do in storytelling because it's so easy to get wrapped up in one or the other. And all of a sudden, like there, there becomes kind of like this, spiral of something that doesn't quite work out the way that this did. One of the neat little features that I enjoyed was uh, when he, when Miguel, uh, yeah, Miguel, when he first enters or notices that he's in the afterlife and all the skeletons are looking at him like, you're not supposed to be here. You're a living person. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, and we're all dead. His ancestors recognized him. Yeah, from like maybe like crossing over and and seeing the family. They see even, him, yeah. Even though they, you know, they couldn't, you know, the, the 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 skeletons could see the real people, but the real people couldn't see the skeletons. And so, but they all knew him and knew his name. Like they had been watching over, kind of like a guardian angel of sorts in a way. And but, I thought, but it wasn't yeah. formal. It was like really like, oh, hey, Miguel. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, we've been watching you your your entire life, and now it's cool you actually see us. And I thought that was really neat because I mean, you know. We all have ancestors. We've all come from this this line of of you know, you know people from who knows where on the planet, right? And who have had you've conquered difficulties and had successes and losses and their own stories to tell. And how neat will it will it be and would it be to actually see your relatives, have a conversation, be like, wow, and they go, yeah, Russ, you know, I've been watching you, you know, I'm your great, 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 from all the way, you know, you're like, wow, that's amazing, you know my name, and you know who I am, and you know my story, like, tell me all about yourself, you know, I've heard, you know, I've heard, you know, certain stories passed down from other family members, but tell me more about it. I just thought that was, that was just, you know, really, really neat. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a stranger in a strange land, I'm a stranger, but I have my family here. Mm -hmm. even though I didn't know they, you know, were watching over me. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, no, it, it is really neat. And it goes back to what I mentioned um, earlier in the show, which is that that's one of the, uh, the really endearing things about that particular holiday in Central America is it's again, like in, in, in our culture, like it's very passive. It's very passive in nature because if, if I'm like, say for instance, I'm a kid or I'm a teenager or even today or whatever, if I were to ask, say for instance, our parents about who our ancestors were, then we would have a conversation about it. And maybe there would be like a photo album that comes out and, and you see like one or two pictures or whatever. And that would be about the extent of it. And if you, you have residual curiosity, it's kind of on you to find out more about your, your ancestry, right? This is different in a sense where, because it's so ingrained in the culture, it's like family is very important um, to people in Central America. Um, and I, I would even argue even South America. Um, I would say like what's, what's really neat about this though, is that it causes it to be a very like, proactive 
dialogue that you have at least once a year because you're pulling out the pictures. They're all framed. They're on the table. They're on display and it's done. So to honor the people who have passed on and that sort of thing. And so as a result, you're organically, you're going to have conversations about who so-and-so is and who so-and-so is and, and that sort of thing. And, and they, it's, 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 I think that's, that's where kind of the, the sweet quality comes into it is that, it's like they never really fully leave. And I think there's something really special about that because their memory doesn't fade. Their memory stays fresh. And, and the movie capitalizes on that. You know, the film really talks about that a lot, but I think even in the real world, I think it's a really neat byproduct of why that exists because you want to honor the people that came before you, but you also want to know, like everyone has a curiosity as to where they came from. I mean, that, that's why you have like ancestry.com and you have other ones that are like that too. You can find out like where your, your bloodline originated from or whatever. And, um, and it's, it's just because it is neat to be able to find out where you're from and we have the technology to be able to do it. Um, and I just think it's, it's really cool. It's such a simple thing. But if you imagine growing up in that environment, you would you would have all kinds of knowledge of a significant number of people within your family tree, as opposed to us, which, you know, it's like, well, um, I kind of knew my granddad. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, I don't even know. Who knows? I think I knew him, his name. Great, great grandfather. <laughs> Moving on. Video games. <laughs> there was another um, item that I put in my notes um, that has to do with significance as well. Hey, what's up, Russ? So if you notice, okay, so so Miguel's family owned a shoe business, right? Yeah. yeah. They made shoes. Zapatos. Uh, what's interesting, though, is it's like I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, there's got to be something to this. Like, why did they choose shoes of all the different professions? Why did they choose to do that? And... Um, What's interesting is that when you see Hector, Hector's barefoot. <laughs> yes, he is. The entire film, he's barefoot, despite the fact that that is his family. And all the people who are dead also, I mean, and, and there are plenty of um, close-ups of um, his dead relatives, like feet and shoes and stuff. Like like when that one guy, the, the bean counter goes down to grab that little leaf off the woman's uh, dress and you see her shoes. I mean, like they're reinforcing in a very subtle way, this visual. Um, and what's interesting is that later on in the film, you can see Vect uh, Vector, <laughs> Hector wearing <laughs> shoes to cross the bridge with um, the other relatives. So things you might've missed in Coco. Well, and I think it speaks to, well, it's a visual metaphor for how he was cast out of the family. Right. You know, I, th I think that, that it, it was, it was, again, I had to watch it a second time. And, and even then I was like, wait a minute. And looking at that, I just, I'm so glad I remember to say that because I was like, man, that again, that is so cool because well, it's things like that, that I, I geek out over. Well, the whole family actually looked really nice. Like everybody was dressed up really nice. It was almost like, um, like even though Hector died, uh, well by poison in very, very nice, you know, on stage clothes. That's what we call murdered. 
Anyhow, uh, he was dressed for the slums. Rather, and all the other relatives were in gowns and hats and yeah, yeah like yeah. really. That one woman who's like the matriarch of the family, she had that awesome like cat soul dragon thing. Yeah, it, uh, what was it? Uh, your spirit animal? Yeah. A cat with wings. No mouse is safe. A cat with wings with eyes of a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what your spirit animal would be, Steve. Yeah, it's probably going to be a porcupine. A porcupine? A platypus or something. I have no idea what mine would be. Yours would be a, um, probably, uh, chipmunk. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) You're probably right. So Steve, uh, in conclusion, um, what did you think of the film and what uh, star rating would you give it? Well, I really enjoy this movie. I bought it, but in 4K, uh, which so I had to go back to Disney Plus to watch, to watch this one. So, uh, but I bought it in 4K because of all the colors and all the details like it shows with like, the afterlife town and whatnot. And uh, oh, man, the music is absolutely fantastic. And I think with, you know, with, the Disney Pixar films that have come out since the two companies have merged and kind of, you know, more Disney influence. This has been one of the better films since that happened. Like better than Toy Story 4, I think. Uh, better than Soul. Uh, better than a lot of the, the last uh, new movies that we've we've had from Disney Pixar. So um, this is actually one of the better ones, I, I would say. And easy movie to watch with the kids. Easy movie to watch with yourself. Uh, I don't know if I'd go out and get the... The soundtrack. Russ, let me ask you something. I got the soundtrack. <laughs> That's not what I was going to ask you. <laughs> uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Did you cry at the end, Russ? No, I didn't. But what I did do. Oh, you did too. I don't even want to hear it. It's so funny because, okay, so I have to give a shout out to some of my uh, older colleagues. Change the a, topic. No, 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 yes. <laughs> so I, I I worked at, um, uh, I don't know. This, this other job I worked at a yeah, little while okay. back, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a lot of uh, colleagues who were friends who are from Central America and from South America. Ah. They were raving about Coco. I believe the film, yeah, the film came out when we were working together and they knew how much of a Pixar nut I was. And they were like, Russ, you've got to see this. This is amazing everything. And they were all saying how like, how sad it was and how they were, they were crying and, and just all this stuff that was going on. Like, man, there, there was a lot of emotionality that was a part of their description of the film. And I mean, to the point where it was quite palpable. I was like, man, okay. And again, I'm totally guilty of just like letting it go by the wayside until now. But, um, I hope that folks like Monica and Simone and Simone Nando and Gustavo, I met them. A few yeah. others, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm. I hope you're listening because I've now seen the film, and I cannot believe it has been this long. I can, I can completely understand why it won Best Animated Film of whatever year. What, what year to come out? Was it 2017? 2018. Great. I have failed yet again. <laughs> you failed me for the last time. But what was interesting was, is I feel as though because so many people told me it's sad, it's sad, it's sad. There's all different stuff. Like, like I was like gearing myself up, like okay, okay, I'm okay. Ready. 
what's happening? But what ended up happening was, okay, first of all, that last scene was spectacular. And I had this smile come across my face that was, it was like, again, I was witnessing something that normally is exclusive to the family household. Like, like 2017, by the way, there 2017, thank you. There was, um, you know, you have these moments that you treasure forever. And this was an animated film. This was not even like real people acting, but at the same time, doesn't matter because they were able, they were successful in capturing those very special moments that families have together. And to see Mama Coco all of a sudden remember her dad and seeing that and everything else, like, I mean, the, the timing of it, the, the expressions that, that the animators were able to convey on her as well as Miguel, just like, man, so heartfelt. It was, it, it was, man, really well done. So no, I did not cry, but I, I was in the moment. Yeah, no, I, I cried both times, but it wasn't because of sadness, Russ. It was not because of sadness. Happy tears, Steve. Um, no, not necessarily happy tears. Um, I was, you know, and okay, we're in spoiler section. So when Mama Coco <laughs> dies, I wasn't necessarily sad that Mama Coco died. Where it was pulling on my heartstrings was um, thinking of the many nice experiences I have had with our grandparents and how they are gone. I miss them, but I'm not like depressed, sad, crying. Also, this is my own personal experience. When I, before I had married my wife and I had flown back to the, uh, <laughs> the uh, old country, we had, when I was about to get on the plane to fly home 16 hours, my wife said to me, and this was back in 2011, Remember me. Oh. So it brings me back to that exact moment. You had your like, own personal significance, oh, Steve. Yeah. That's right. So even though we're married now and it's, it's absolutely wonderful, I remember exactly what I was thinking and, that, and it brings me right back. Hits home, doesn't it? <sighs> home run. Well, that's great, Steve. Yeah. Concluding thoughts and rating, please. Well, Russ, um, probably one of the most emotionally packed and expressive animated movies, if not movie altogether that uh, I have ever seen. And um, I would rate it a 4.5. 4.5. He says, this film has been a long time coming in terms of me watching it. And I'm so glad I did. I think it is another gem upon the Pixar crown. And I think there is so much to love about this. I think that being able to explore um, a culture such as this in a Pixar film is wonderful. I, I'm Like I said earlier, I'm really, really happy that they have done films like Coco and like Soul. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else that they do in the future when it comes to this. The, the storytelling, again, if, if you think about the setting. I'm thinking about it, yeah. There's, I mean, it's actually, it's a, it's a pretty simple setting. It's like, like they're in like their little village in the land of the living 
or they're in the land of the dead and they, they kind of run around back and forth in these places. But if you were to compare this film to like toy story or toy story two or something like, you know, they're going all over the place. I mean, they, they go to their neighbor's house. They're going to pizza planet there. I mean, there's a lot of traveling involved with something like that or like finding Nemo. I mean, finding Nemo, he's going across the, half the ocean looking for his son. I mean, there is, there is a lot of vistas and locales that um, you tend to see in quite a few of the Pixar films. So this was very different in that it was not that case. Did you see the pizza planet? Was it the pizza planet truck that drove by in the beginning? Of drove Coco? By the, yeah. Drove by the house. I don't know. I think it was the pizza planet. Uh, just, it gives me reason to watch it a third time. Yes. So I, I think that, in a way, I get this is this is another quality that the film has. This film could so easily become a Broadway musical. Like if you think of like the music that that gets played and and sung in this film, as well as the premise and and the the locales and stuff, this could easily be on Broadway. And I think that that's awesome. That, that's a wonderful testament to the skills of the folks who compose the music and the lyrics, as well as even the set dressers and everything else. I mean, really, really well done. I have to say, Steve. Rating Russ, yeah. Um, I'm getting to it, Steve. <clears throat> I'm getting to it. When I think of the characters... Oh, there's more. There are characters in this that... Man, they're, they're, they, they are so authentic. And I think it kind of, it kind of connects with what I was talking about with regards to the culture. But like, I think it's so at times difficult to be able to understand and be able to celebrate different um, cultures around the world. And part of culture has to do with the personalities that you come across, the people, right? Mm. And I feel as though like, like these are people who like I could run into and instantly be friends with and, or maybe just, just have an appreciation for how they live their lives, what their lifestyle is. And I think it's just, it's really neat to be able to see characters like Hector or Miguel um, or, or even the, the various family members, you know, you, and it's so funny because no matter which family you're in, you always have like these different quirky personality types and different body shapes and sizes and ages and everything else. I mean, that, that's what all makes up uh, being a family. So I think that that is absolutely great. And I would say I'm going to be with you, Steve. It's been a while. It's been a hot minute, but I'm going to, I too will get 4.5 stars. Yeah. Good. Glad you agree with me. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M. And be consider becoming a monthly contributor. And if you're already on Patreon, you're watching this right now. You are. In fact, this particular episode is part of our video testing that is exclusive to the Patreon members. So if you want to see this sack of white goodness right here, you just go on to patreon.com slash joygasm because you'll get exclusive perks like one that we just described and early access to every single episode. Not to mention it helps us continue building up and doing well, everything that we do here, isn't it? Pretty much. 
Last but not least, you can follow us on social media. Just do a uh, search for YouTube and be sure to be able to do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Don't forget to check out Russ's banner on Facebook. Oh. He made it. Huh? Production values. We'll see you next week.